The Antidote has a visitor tonight, Nathan Peterson of Hello Industry. Nathan, realize how busy you are, so thanks a lot for taking time out of your schedule for this. My pleasure. How about telling us about the band members and what their roles are in Hello Industry? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, my favorite band member is is uh, Heather. She's my wife. Good answer. She, yeah, yes. She definitely has the hardest role because she plays synth and keys and all that, but she's also um, the one who I come home to at the end of the day and give my sob stories to, and she talks me down from giving up and, and all that. So she's she's a, a keyboard player, um, synth stuff. Um, she does some piano for more of our classical stuff, and then my personal counselor. Um, and then there's uh, James. Uh, James is the bass player, and um, so he does the normal bass, and he does upright, and he does uh, a lot of synth bass. Um, but he's also, he does the arrangements of our music, so um, I write the stuff and have kind of a, a skeleton in place, and he's the first person I send it to. He kind of thinks very differently than me and comes up with a, a concept that usually surprises me and, and gives the song um, a life of its own. And then uh, Brett, he's an electric guitar player. Um, either one band member who has a real job. Um, he's a mechanical engineer for Caterpillar. And um, he uh, he kind of brings the kind of a classic rock roots to the band, which comes out here and there, and it's really cool when it does. Uh, and then Bobby is our drummer, Bobby Sherman. Um, he's been with us the least amount of time. He's the newest band member, and uh, his role is to play drums and then also to um, say really off the wall funny things when tension is high. He's kind of the comic relief of the band. So we're talking Bobby Sherman, like 1960s teen idol Bobby Sherman. That's the same one. Yeah, he's he's been around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the band. We we also have um, someone named Addie, and she plays, we do kind of this classical concert um, that we call Black and White, and she's a viola player, and she um, so she plays those shows with us. Hello Industry's been around since 99, but... What was the musical intent of the band back then? Oh, I mean, we started off. Um, we were actually a like a worship band for um, at Northern Illinois University um, and uh, for Campus Crusade, and um, we did that for a few years. And when we graduated, we didn't want to stop playing together, and so I'd started to kind of write mu- my own music, and um, we did like this morph over a few years from this uh, worship leading band to a, a more just performance band. You guys describe your music as being honest and meaningful, but I mean, really, there's a lot of artists that say that. So what is it that makes Hello Industry authentic? I mean, that's, I think that's a fair question. Everybody who writes music is probably writing it because they feel like it's an important thing to say. Um, I think that if I was to kind of go out on a limb and say that, that we put more stock in making meaningful music, um, I think maybe I'd, I'd kind of rest that case on the input that we get from other people. Um, I think a common theme that we hear feedback wise from our fans is that, um, the music that we write kind of gives their, their pain or their struggles a voice and um, helps them articulate things that they've been going through. And so um, that word meaningful has has really been kind of a, 
a reoccurring word to, to help us describe our music. It's usually something that has to do with maybe coming from a place of pain or struggle or fear. Um, usually we're writing about identity, that type of thing. So not to say that, you know, a song that's just talking about whatever, you know, girlfriend or boyfriend type music isn't meaningful, because I think that has meaning too. But but for us, meaningful means um, really digging into the to the things that are deep down inside us that we don't generally like to talk about or even sometimes notice is there. Understandable, but maybe I'm being a little overly critical, but I usually am. Um, <laughs> you know, I think really most of the public seems to prefer these sort of easy, mindless songs. But you guys are always really getting into soul-searching topics. So why don't you make it just light and fluffy? Yeah, that's a good question. I've been asked that before. Um, my simple answer is I, I can't. Um, I feel like what I am supposed to do, what I'm made to do, what I'm wired to do, I'm just a more kind of internal processing person. I, I live my life kind of from within myself looking out. That's just kind of what comes out when I go to write music. The antidote is here with Hello Industry. Okay, do you consider your lyrics to be self-revealing? I mean, wouldn't it be emotionally easier just to use simply uh, generic situations for your lyrics? You mean like um, like kind of telling too much of my... Of your own life. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that a lot, um, personally. I think that it's more effective for an artist to share particulars um, than for an artist to try to talk about those things in generalities. And I found that to be true just in the, in the 15 years we've done this. The, the particulars, although they feel very specific to me, still resonate with a lot of people. And so uh, because I'm talking about something so specifically, that also happens to resonate with a lot of other people. Um, it resonates much stronger with them than if I was to just talk about general this or general that. You know, it's funny with your music because you guys cover so much ground. You mentioned earlier on at the start of the interview about some of the classical music elements, but you guys also go through the rock, pop rock, you know, electro pop. They're all part of your sound. But that covers an awful lot of ground. So why not have just a single focus? Um, I think it's kind of like my other answer. It's not necessarily that it's the most strategic decision to cover so much ground musically, but um, it's just kind of what comes out of us. Uh, my wife, uh, Heather, she is um, she's classically trained. She, she got her master's degree from um, uh, Cincinnati Conservatory in piano performance and um James is actually a trained uh, jazz bassist. He plays, um, he gigs in Chicago a lot and has some classical arranging um, training. And and so it's hard for that stuff not to work its way into our music. And there have been a few times where we've just been kind of creatively bored and sat down together and tried to think outside the box. And um, some of these more classical elements started working their, their way into our music and I think the electronic stuff, you know, every time we buy a new instrument or a new toy, it kind of sparks new songs. And, and so there have been a few electronic instrument toy things that we've bought that have just kind of worked their way into our music. And we all need our toys. Yeah. 
But what about when you bring those elements in? You find often it just doesn't meld into a single cohesive song. Yeah, we spend a lot of our time arranging. That's a big percentage of of what we do. And um, we've spent way too much time on a single song before just because, um, you know, some of those elements are fighting each other. And um, But at the same time, th- there have been times where we're trying to fit a song into a box and, um, you know, we're, we've worked on it for months and then someone just says, maybe this is like a really sparse, slow classical song and we try it that way and it, it comes alive. So sometimes it helps us finish a song to have those, to be able to reach really far in either of those directions. But I mean, even concert wise, we've been working lately on trying to combine um, some of our classical and electronic elements into one, into one show and it's hard to do that in a way that feels like a natural progression for, for the audience and, and not jarring them um, during the show. But I think that if you can do it, the payoff is really great. And how do you find audiences responding to it then? Um, I think when we've not done it well, they've been a little confused. <laughs> um, when we've done it well, um, I think we've taken them on a journey. Just like if you were to watch a movie, you know, the, the soundtrack alone tells a story. And I think a really good concert um, that reaches pretty far in different musical directions, I think, can tell a powerful story over the course of a concert. Let's go back a few years. You had the one album called Marianne. Mm-hmm. And the title track's really quite interesting. But do you want to run us through that song? Yeah. Um, so that was our second album-ish. Um, and Marianne's, yeah, the title track on the album, um, Marianne was, um, I was just driving one morning and I saw a woman walk out of her house and, um, it's totally probably inaccurate, but I just kind of had this snapshot of what maybe she was going through that day. She just looked like worn down and tired and wasn't looking up. She was just looking, you know, two steps ahead of her and it just kind of sparked this, kind of this picture of this person who just spends their whole life feeling um, behind or on the outside or like the rest of the world is functioning and they're dysfunctional. And so I, I wrote a song just kind of based on this, at the time, kind of fictional person. Of course, after I wrote the song, I realized this person probably describes me pretty well too, um, but that, that's usually the case with a lot of the songs that I write. Um, so yeah, she just she feels outside. She feels like the moment she leaves the room, she'll be forgotten, and that's kind of her biggest fear going through life. And so her her response is to just put a mask on and kind of just make it through life. Um, but she never really lives. And um, to me, that's like the saddest thing. I mean, that's to me that doesn't seem much different than suicide. She never got to live the life she's supposed to live. And so at the end of the song. Um, uh, the song really changes a lot, and and um, the voice is just saying, I, "You're my favorite. Like I love you. I think you're beautiful." And, um, I really hope that someone who feels like Marianne would hear that song and hear those words and believe that that could be that could be true about them. Something that's been interesting when I run through your discography is how your sound has progressed. Also, yeah. Um, you know, it seems like your music, especially with your current album, Matter, that it's catering less and less to a Christian audience 
mm-hmm. and it's becoming more universal. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I mean, when I wrote the songs that are on Fooled, first of all, that was like five years of writing, um, and we finally got to make our first CD. You know, so it was. It wasn't very. It's not very cohesive as far as like those songs were written totally different times. I was in a totally different place each time I wrote one of those songs. But yeah, we were just finishing kind of being a worship band. That was like my first musical experience playing in that band. I I didn't even plan on singing. They made me sing in the mic, and I was like, I don't want to sing. And um, it was like working my tail off to just play, you know, my three chords on my guitar each week so that I didn't look like an idiot in front of people. And um, so those songs are kind of beginner songs for me in, in a way. Um, some of them, I think. They were nice surprises, and I, I got lucky with some of them, and um, and so some of them are, are still really meaningful to me. But yeah, Marianne is kind of where you can hear the band starting to maybe find who we are, and matter for me is kind of, this is kind of who we are type of thing. Okay, so if you were discovering who you were when you recorded Marianne, who is Hello Industry now? What is the band all about now? I think we started off... Our music basically was just trying to say it's okay to ask questions and to not be certain about things. And Marianne started getting into talking a little m- bit more about identity and who you are. Um, Matter is full on talking about the struggle of trying to know who you are and if that matters to anyone else. Um, and fighting this battle against fear and self-doubt that eventually you know can kill you before you actually die and so i think for us as a band i think we're kind of realizing that maybe our role as as artists is to point out those battles like the deep battles and to even to feel them in our own lives and then to articulate the battle in music and even if we learn anything you know articulate that too in the music for me, I kind of picture us making music that goes to those internal battles. I think that's kind of who we are. But I, as you can tell just by listening to me talk, I'm still figuring that out. But that's what I was picking up from Matter, you know, because I was finding that much of the lyrics seem to be focused on, you know, searching for your own self-worth and meaning in life. One of the songs really nails that. Um, how about speaking with us about the song Dream? Yeah, um... Dream's kind of a, it's from someone who, they're kind of weighing, weighing the, the pros and cons of waking up. <laughs> um, they're finding that when they're asleep, when they're dreaming, um, in other words, when they're not checked into reality, things almost feel a little better, make a little more sense. And so this person's really teetering on, kind of on the brink of, do I check out from this life or do I not? Um, so they're they're just asking those questions, you know. The way that the verse is structured, they're asking they're asking for someone else to identify with them too. Do you, does anyone ever feel like that? Like, am I the only one who feels like that, or are there others out there? But people don't often want to share that. That's the thing. Yeah. But you are sharing it through the music. Yeah, I think that's our job. I think that's who we are. Our job as as artists, and I think. I think the job of most artists, but but I guess I'll just speak for us, is to to articulate those battles and to not run away from them. Because I think that when we do that, um, that helps other people do that. 
I want to bring up the one song that this is the Hello Industry song that really got me. And it comes from Matter, and it's The Innocent Will Die, Anything Is Possible. I mean, really, that is an awesome song. Thank you. But after you recorded, I understand you had a situation that brought that whole topic even closer to home. Yeah, we're we're in the middle of it now. Um, yeah, so we uh, I wrote this song a couple years ago um, because I have a friend who um, his wife is um, is got cancer and she it looks like she'll die from it. And I just wrote the song because I put myself in his shoes and I thought. I could never go through something like that. I couldn't make it. If Heather was dying of cancer, I just, I just can't even imagine. And and so the song's kind of, it's kind of describing this, this thing that's coming towards you, and there's just nothing you can do to slow it down, or to stop it. Um, it's just coming. And um, you know, in that situation, it was, it was talking about death. So we wrote the song. We recorded it. Um, it's my favorite song on the album. And um, and then we uh, we decided we were going to make a music video for it. So this was like a couple months ago. So we recorded this video, and um, James and I wrote a script up, and it's uh, all based on this envelope that um, is sitting on the table. And there's something in it, but we don't ever tell you what's in it. And um, this guy is he's going through kind of the five stages of grief. So he's at the beginning he's avoiding. Um, he just kind of keeps walking by the envelope. Um, eventually he gets angry and he tears it up. He tries praying and opening, you know, there's a scene where he's sitting next to his Bible and you kind of tell it he's praying. Um, and he opens his eyes and, and looks and the envelope's still there. And every time he does one of these things, um, there's kind of this like, like boom, and he's back at the table like it never happened. And kind of what we wanted people to think is that the letter never moved. Like he thought about tearing it up or he tried to tear it up, but every time he does one of these things, um, it's like it never happened. There's n- nothing his effort can do to move this letter and it's still there. And um, so at the end of the song, he just gets up and, and runs out of the house and runs down the street and um, and eventually just falls down from exhaustion on, on the road. And then again, bam, he's back there and staring at the letter. And so at the very end of the letter, um, or the, uh, the video, he, he opens the envelope. We don't show you what's inside because we kind of want the viewer to to decide what's in there for themselves. Um, but um, but the I think kind of the theme was that at some point you have to you have to open the envelope like it's it's there no matter whether you open it or not and that's kind of the fifth step of of the grieving process is acceptance. So five days after we did the footage for the video, uh, Heather called me on her, on her way home from doctor's visit. She had a sonogram artwork pregnant with our fourth child, and. Um, she said she had really bad news, and, and um, it turns out that uh, this baby has something called trisomy 18, which is a chromosomal defect, um, and basically it means that um, she'll probably uh, be born alive, but probably will live anywhere from um, uh, five minutes to maybe a week or two, um, but most likely no longer than that. And, um, you know, I, I had to go back to work on this video as we were processing this news and um, it definitely gave the, the video new meaning to us. Um, we were dealing with, with our own version of what was inside the envelope and still are. She's, she's due first week of January, but um, it looks like probably this month, uh, baby Olivia will, will be born. Wow. 
And that is a tough one to handle. Yeah. So how do you work through that on a personal level? Um, on a personal level, I think yeah, the best thing for me has just been going through it with Heather. Um, it's been nice because at least we've had each other. Um, the first week we found out we were um, in just the darkest place. We were um, just heavy grieving. Um, we do what we could to take care of the kids during the day. And when they went to sleep, we would just um, cry together and, and then eventually fall asleep. And uh, it was just really, really hard. And um, as the kind of as the reality became, you know, set in a little more, it started to become just part of our lives. And so then it started to come in waves. So sometimes I didn't feel anything, Heather didn't feel anything and almost felt guilty about that. But then the grief would come back um, like a wave, and then it would go away and come back and go away. So that's kind of what we've been experiencing personally for the last few months. Um, now that the day is coming up, um, we're starting to just feel dread. We know what we're going to have to go through, and I don't know if there's a bright side, but if there was one, I think it's that um, we really have learned the necessity of valuing life now. And you know, right now in this whole pregnancy, Olivia has been alive. Um, she's kicking and moving and breathing and she has a heartbeat. And so she exists and she's real and we can feel her and talk to her. And um, uh, right after we got the news, there's a lot of time where I avoided touching Heather's belly or talking to the baby. And I think um, I think that was because I was, I was afraid to let go later. But by doing that, I was giving up life now. Um, and so we've we've really tried to to just enjoy Olivia for as long as we have her, even if that's only during the time that she's in Heather's belly. You have my sympathy. This could be a difficult question for you, but if someone could only listen to three songs from Hello Industry, which ones should they be? Ooh, that is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to be going off the top of my head, but I would say... I would say Done, The Innocent Will Die, and so that's hard to pick the last one. Stop the Rain, I think. And they're all sort of carrying that, that similar theme, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, Done Done will be the next video we do. I'm, I'm pretty excited to do that one. It's kind of another one along those lines of the guys and kind of singing it from his casket and looking back on life and just wondering if someone will remember him after he's gone. Man, the more we talk, the more I think this is getting morbid. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's kind of that's where it goes when you, when you dig into to my brain. Okay, so tell us, where do you find Hello Industry online, and how can listeners get your music? Um, you can find us at helloindustry.com, and you can find us at you know, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, slash Hello Industry. They're all same name. And uh, you can find our music on on iTunes and Spotify and Amazon and all those places. Bandcamp, yep. The Antidote has been speaking with Nathan of Hello Industry. Nathan, seriously, thanks for taking time to chat with us, and thanks for being so honest. Sure, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.